If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today I'd like to introduce Max Pierce. Max is a harness enthusiast. He's also a harness driver, coach, coach educator and judge and today we're going to talk about everything harness. How are you today, Max? I'm very well, Glennis. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Max, we normally start off with a quote that you'd like to use. It could be an inspirational quote, something you use when you're teaching. I, I like to encourage people, so, you know, just keep the good work up, really. That's okay. what I like to, like to do. Okay. Okay, good. And obviously that's going to help build confidence in people that you're teaching. Is it ever? Is someone ever taught you that in a time that you really needed it? Possibly, um, you know, I, I do other work where I deal with people, and um, and I have done for a long, long time. I've worked with people with disabilities um, for many years, and um, and I also ran a, a fairly large business. I employed a lot of people, so you know, just dealing with people and and helping them improve is something I really enjoy doing. Okay, okay, I might bring that up, some of those things up a little bit later in the interview. What I'd like to know, we we. Talk about how you started with horses, Max. Everyone seems to come from different, you know, from no contact at all, from a complete horse family. What were your first memories of horses? Oh, look, I just had this passion of horses from just uh, probably for the moment I could probably walk. And my family, my great-grandfather owned a fairly large bakery in Bega and all the deliveries were done by horse and cart. Mm-hmm. So I was around horses from a young age, and, and that's how I became involved and just had uh, this absolute passion for horses. And we're from there, so it's just one of those things, you know, like I was riding on the bread cart with my great-grandfather, and, you know, it was just one of those one of those things that I've just carried through for all these years. Yep, good, good. Now, you've got a bit of an interesting story how you started in harness. I've heard one about when you're eight, something to do with your grandfather driving your horse. Can you can you tell us a bit about that? I can. My great grandfather was a great guy. He employed all his family, even my father, his grandson, and his sons and brothers, sisters, and they all did something within this bakery. And see, as the bakery grew, he he wanted to just do market gardening, and he used to drive a little old tractor around Bega, and he. Um, was grand age, I think he was at 95. He took his license off him because he used to drive the tractor a little bit erratic. <laughs> he owned the, the streets. But anyway, I had this whole horse called Flicker. It was my first horse. And he said, Could you bring the old mare in? He said, I've, He had an old sulky in his shed. And he said, I want to be able to get around. So he had an eye for the bacon cart harness left. And he put the harness on the old mare and this sulky. And it was a fairly steep driveway at his house. And it yeah. was on the main street of Vega. And anyway, the mayor had never been in harness before, but he put her straight in. Anyway, she took off down the driveway, humping <laughs> him. She didn't really bark, didn't really kick or anything. She bumped and bumped all the way down the driveway. 
and I went and grabbed the reins and he said, you know, boy, never take the reins off either. And we drove to the farm. We had a farm and we drove to the farm. It was about four miles away. Yeah. And we drove to the farm. Well, that was my introduction to harness. And I've never forgot. He told me two things, you know, never take the reins off the driver. And the other one was never let the reins go, boy. You know, so <laughs> if anything ever happened, you don't let the reins go and let the horse bolt. So okay. I remember those two things. But that was my introduction. And went from there, the sulky ended up staying on the farm. And when um, I started my business, I picked up all the bits and pieces that were starting to fall apart. And I just, then I restored it. I totally restored the old, the grandfather's sulky. Great grandfather's sulky wow. and went from there I you know bought a buggy and restored it and another sulky and <laughs> the whole <laughs> thing has just, just grown from from that time okay okay how do you think harness like obviously we're not using horses and buggies and everything else anymore but how do you think it's is it getting more popular less popular oh no it's certainly getting more popular I think look in the early say 80s Mm-hmm. In competition driving sort of was introduced in the 70s. You know, there was a fairly big following, but when, um, you know, you probably wasn't unheard of to get sort of 80 to 100 competitors. These days, it's much smaller, but the quality of the carriages, harness, horses, and competition has certainly improved out of sight. You know, it's just been great. It's certainly huge in Europe, the UK, and America. But I, I think, you know, it's still growing here and, um, and I think it'll continue to grow. Okay. Okay. And probably, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seems like, you know, going back to the 70s, it was the people who'd had horses earlier in their career as an essential career thing brought their horses, whereas now it's people getting into it on a more professional basis. Is that is that correct or not? That's Correct, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, the expense of travel, travel, moving horses around, I think is a big thing that changed a lot. You know, back in those days, people, you know, were more affordable to move horses around and travel. Mm-hmm. And these days, you know, you have to really watch what events you go to and, you know, limited really with cost, I think. I think that's a big thing. Okay. I was going to say back in the 70s, you'd probably just hitch up your horse and drive to the show, wouldn't you? Mostly, yes. I'm not, I'm <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and the other thing is not not as much traffic on the road those days. Yes. And people are probably more understanding too about, you know, horse carriages and horses on road roadways these days. It's very dangerous, you mm, know, mm. like... A lot of drivers don't slow down. They just go past you and you can wave them down, but they just go past you, you know, really at a high speed and it's not good. I'm just thinking too about the expense. It's It's got to be more expensive than just showing horses because as well as the horse, you've also got all the harness and the sulky or the buggy and then you've got to transport it. So it's not even just, yeah, just buying the extra stuff. It's transporting mm. it from show to show. So you'd need yeah. a bigger vehicle. Well, in some cases, yes, it depends on, you know, what sort of carriage you're going to drive, mm-hmm. how many horses you're going to drive. But, you know, a lot of people these days, you know, they've got an extended float and these carriages are fairly compact, mm-hmm. uh, especially competition carriages are fairly compact. So they'll actually sit in the front of the float and the horse at the back. Okay. Uh, a lot of people travel that way. So there's really not a lot of difference there. In buying a set of harness, you know, if it's, if it's say, um, synthetic harness, well, you know, that's fairly affordable and really can be a lot cheaper than a saddle and a bridle mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some ways. And I suppose the carriage, in back in the 70s and 80s, people made the carriages, but these days we buy them and they're mostly come, they're imported. So, you know, you can really 
probably set yourself up for, you know, want a, a, a two-wheeled Falky that may be compliant for competition for two and a half thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and it goes up from there. Some of the really top competition carriages, you know, you could be spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars. So it just depends where you want to start and what you want to do. But reasonably affordable, I think, you know, okay. to get into carriage driving. Okay, good. And then Max, because you do a lot of judging as well. What sort of things, I mean, what's your recommendation for the first class when they first start or is it a different class for different people and depending on the horse that they've got? Well, are you talking showing or competition? Competitions, yep. Yep. Look, I just finished the New South Wales Championships yesterday Mm -hmm. and they had the championship section and then they had a level four, which the level four is basically for novice people. Yes. So a very easy dressage and the cones course is slightly widened and made easier. Mm-hmm. And with the marathon obstacle pass, they actually go, instead of going to A to F in the, in the sequence, they go from A to D. So it's made easier for mm-hmm. people getting into. Yep. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of help out there. There's a, there's a lot of coaches and a lot of people that are willing to help people into carriage driving. But be very rewarding, you know, teaching a horse to do driven dressage and doing cones course and very, very similar to eventing, really, you know, the, mm-hmm. the different phases. So, but no, a lot of fun and, and as I said, people can go to a, a low-key competition and learn and climb the ladder there. Okay. And then do many people come from another horse sport or do they come in completely not knowing anything about horses? I don't see too many people crossing from another equestrian discipline. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people maybe that have just ridden a horse, just do like pleasure riding and, and people have done basic riding, um, want to move into carriage driving. I see more of those people yep. than someone that's been a show jumper and wants to get into. I've seen a few, but not many, but I think you'll find probably find more people at the low-key end of riding you know, want to get into carriage driving at some stage, and oh. I, I coach a lot of those people. Yep, yep. All right. What do you think this the character type or the skills that they need just to get into it, just to get started? Firstly, the safety is the big thing, and I mm. find that you know some people just don't understand the safety side of carriage driving. Yep. Because you know a horse that's gotten loose or bolted or whatever with a carriage on can be quite a lethal weapon, and people can get hurt. Horses can get hurt. Mm-hmm. Really, really easily. So safety is a big thing. Um, you know, securing your horse. You know, don't tie your horse up to a piece of bailing twine whilst you're, you know, putting a carriage to things like that. You know, don't pull the winkers off with a carriage on behind the horse. So there's a sequence of being able to harness up and unharness properly. Mm-hmm. How to actually get into the carriage properly and hold the reins. And then the other thing really is the contact. Contact is different than riding because when you ride a horse you've got your seat and you've got your legs and, and the contact is different with a horse with the past horse you all you have is your reins so to balance the horse you know you really use an outside rein to balance your horse you don't drop your outside rein so there's a lot of control there mm-hmm. and um, it's just a nice contact it's not a heavy contact but it's not um, feather light cotton mm-hmm. people say oh my horse is going really so light and you know, and I always think, oh, gee, there's going to be a problem here because, okay. you know, if anything happens, there's no control. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so lightness doesn't necessarily mean good. Lightness just means no contact, yep, yep. 
no contact, you know. You really need to use the right contact to carriage horse because they need to be balanced. You need to be able to keep the horse balanced, especially when turning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you ride a horse, you can use your legs to be able to you know, use your legs properly in sit. But with a carriage horse, we have is a rain. So you need to be able to use the right contact to keep the horse balanced, to be able to make turns, even to go straight. So some people say, you know, they want to come into a dressage ring or drive a straight line, and they say, oh, why am I wobbling? And that is because they've, they've dropped an outside rain. Okay. So contact is a really big thing with carriage driving. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Now, just talking about, you know, normally we talk about people who've influenced you, but you actually had a lot of influence with Boyd XL, didn't you? Tell me about your first contact yes, with him and how you met him and, and what the circumstances were. Okay. My young wife, Mary, at the time was teaching in Bia, um, and she was teaching with Boyd's mother, Lorraine. And uh, Lorraine said, I've got this young fellow, young boy, that son that um, is crazy about horses. And so Mary invited Lorraine and Boyd over. Anyway, Boyd came with his brother as well. And I took them for a carriage drive ride that day and, Boyd was, about, Boyd was eight, I think 10, may have been 10. And anyway, I couldn't get rid of these boys. Every day they used to come. They used to live <laughs> from the other side of Big, and they, every day they used to come to my stables of an afternoon after yep. school. And anyway, I thought, gee, you know, this year, Boyd was just an eight-year-old, and I thought he was a bit of a brat at the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it just went from there. Boyd just had this natural ability of horses, even from that young age. And, mm -hmm. and his brother, you know, he was, his brother was very good too, and they were pretty close. And they came, went everywhere with me, you know, and their parents were absolutely wonderful in letting them go to Sydney Moore's show on many, many occasions. And, and then, you know, we went to we were to South Australia, Queensland, Victoria, all over the place, you know, competing and showing. So that was really what we did. We showed horses. Yep. I showed Hackney's. Boyd then was more interested in competition, mm -hmm. even though he did do some show driving. He then um, left school, uh, much to his mother and father's dismay. <laughs> um, father is an engineer, mother a school teacher, um, sister was a IT, IT person. Um, Kenny ended up being an architect. His other brother was um, an accountant. So Boyd wanted to leave school and work in my engineering factory. And so he continued on and did a four-year apprenticeship whilst we still worked horses. So we worked all day in the in the engineering factory and then went training horses after after work and then went to shows. And Boyd then uh, came 20 with his mother and father. He finished the apprenticeship. Mother and father bought him a round-the-world ticket for his 21st birthday. We then set off with, a, with about 12 Australians to America, Gladstone, New Jersey. We went to the World Pairs Championships just um, far from New York, and Boyd met a man over there that had a team of Hafflinger ponies, great big truck, you know, a great big semi-trailer truck. Boyd didn't have a license then, and he drove. <laughs> this man got Boyd to drive right across America with his ponies, Yeah. and then Boyd worked for him for about 10 months. He then moved to England, worked for a few people there, and set himself up freelance with carriage driving and had a couple of stable yards. And now he lives in Holland. He bought a property in Holland. Mm -hmm. And, well, that's history now. You know, he's been world champion many, many times. I think, you know, five or seven times. Mm -hmm. He's won the last two World Equestrian Games, you know, uh, Normandy, France in um, 2014. And then four years before that, um, Atlanta, I think it was, in the U.S. And so next next year, again, it's going to be the World Equestrian Games. It's going to be, in, I think, Georgia, I think. 
yep. in the US. So it's a great story. We're still very, very good friends. He was out here in October, early October, and I, I met him at the airport when uh, I came back from Perth Royal, judging Perth Royal, mm-hmm. and I caught up with Boyd for three or four hours at the airport. But, you know, he's just an absolute wonder with horses. I'm, I don't know how he does it, but he can train a horse like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any Australian in the equestrian world would ever match his performance in any other discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely amazing. It's wonderful that you gave him the opportunity because small things like that can change people's lives. So it was great that you gave him. And and it sounds to me like he didn't really leave school to work in the engineering shop. He actually left school for what you were doing after school, you know, after you finished work. I think so, yeah. (laughs) It was funny, you know, um, years later, when he was still at school, he used to sneak across to my stable yard with his brother. Yep. in school uniform, and one day they harnessed up, and I think it might have been seven days, harnessed up my pony team, four horses, yeah. and went for a drive around the paddock and then photos, and Boyd had a girlfriend at the time, and he posted it. She didn't live in there. He posted the photos. Yeah. And anyway, years later, he came out. He was based in England. He came out and he ran a school at Yass in New South Wales. Anyway, this girl turned up and she showed me a photo of my pony team with Boyd sitting up in his uniform, his brother <laughs> on the back. And I said, those are the things he used to get up to behind the back. But he had this actual ability, you know, and he probably was, I don't know how old he was. He's probably 12, I suppose. Here he is driving a pony behind the back because he thought I'd go crook. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. It was amazing. I saw that photo. I said, oh, you know. Yep, yep. It was just incredible, you know. So what skills did you see in Boyd that, you know, that cheekiness, that confidence, I suppose, but what skills did you see in him um, that you can recognise now, oh, that's why he's world champion, that's why he's done and excelled and yeah. done everything that he's done. What things has he had that no one else has had? I just think he's got this natural ability, not just only with horses, but everything in life. He can speak to someone and and and, and talk about a particular subject. You know, it's really hard to explain exactly, but he's just got this natural ability, and without being big-headed, you know, he doesn't ever talk about people. You know, when you're with him, you know, you're having to mention something, and you'll change the subject and just keep on talking naturally about things. So. You know, he's just such a sportsman. He's a writer and being able to just be just so natural, you know, to think with horses and people. Okay, okay. Tell me about your proudest moment with horses. I suppose one of the highlights, I think, was probably driving Prince Philip in 1988. There was a bicentennial event at the Canberra Showground and there was about a hundred, more than a hundred competitors came from all over the place, all over, all over Australia actually. They came from Western Australia, and mm-hmm. I had the job of driving the Duke in this big parade because the Duke was the patron of the Australian Carriage Driving Society, mm-hmm. and I was vice president of that society at the time. Sir Anthony Sinnott was the president, and because I had a nice pony team and a very nice carriage. Uh, I had a really nice wagon, which I still got. I call it Duke's carriage. 
<laughs> so it was all top secret because of security and that. And mm. Boyd Dexter was one of my grooms, and his brother Kent was also. And Mary, my wife, came with me, and the Duke sat beside me, and we drove around the Canberra Showground, around the track with all the you know hundred odd competitors. They were all going past and, and lifting their hats and spitting um, the Duke. It was just such a great honour to be able to do that, and um, I've had another couple of dignitaries from Sir William Dean, the Governor General at the time. I've driven twice in a couple of parades with Mounted Police um, yep. Escort. That was really quite a great thing. And David Hurley, the New South Wales Governor, I've driven him as well. So I've had a bit of experience driving, you know, some quite famous people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Now, going going um, as a judge, what do you think? If you're judging, you you want to be able to tell people and teach them what they can do to improve to make them better competitors. Yeah, what's, some, even some, some silly, yeah, some silly mistakes you see people do that they could just fix those mistakes and become <clears> a better competitor. In carriage driving, a, a lot of people go out and just um, do half a workout or not use the arena that's given to them. Mm-hmm. They also drive their horse forward or pony forward. So they go out and just, um, you know, dribble around and not shut the horse off. Um, okay. And I think it comes back to just experience and, and nerves. You know, people get a bit nervous. I try to encourage them and just say, look, you know, move your horse out a bit, you know. It just depends. You've got to be careful, you know, it's a big show not to sort of say too much to people as a judge, you know, because, you know, you've got to be fair to all the competitors. But, you know, smaller shows and, and that I try to help people if I can or give them just a little bit of advice to make their horses move out a bit better so that yep. they can show off. You know, I've seen them come out and dribble around and, and, and not show anything and he might whisper to them and move your horse out. They go out and try and then all the they're winning, winning prizes, you know. Mm, mm. So that's what I see mostly, and then people not using the arena or driving too small a circle and things like that. So, okay. you know, it just, it just, it's one of those things. All right. Now, you've been judging and showing and been a harness enthusiast for a long time. We talked before about numbers, you know. You said there was a bit of a decline in numbers yes. and now they're increasing. What about yes. the rules and how things have changed? Have there been any big changes that you see, any trends that you see as ongoing? What, you know, anything at all there? Mm, well, in competition driving, yes, certainly things have changed rule-wise. You know, when I started driving in competition in 1979, those days, you, you know, they, they did a 20, maybe 20, 30-kilometre marathon in, in those days. You know, it's a long, long marathon. These days, you know, the FEI have designed the rules, you know, to cover horse welfare. Mm-hmm. That's a really big thing. Horse welfare and carriage driving is a big thing. So, yes, there's certainly been some challenges, um, and for the better too, you know, in FEI driving, you know, they've got one-star, two-star level, and three-star level. You know, at one-star level, you've got lots of options to actually run an event that makes it really easy for organisers and competitors. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's not that difficult, you know, at that level so mm-hmm. to get into carriage driving. But, you know, it, it's certainly improving. You know, year by year they change things, but they it's usually for the better. Yes. And it just makes, yes. makes it better for running, running competitions mm-hmm. and better for the competitor. Good, good. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com.
If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. What about the type, like you've said before, the quality of horses? And you're, because you're breeding horses, aren't you? Yes, I do breed horses, yes. Yep, yep. So talking about the quality of horses, are the breeds changing? Like I suppose you just, you know, initially back in the 70s, you'd probably just pull up any horse that you had. But now, you know, horses yes, are purpose-bred. Yes. What, what breeds, what type of horses? Certainly, it's, it's, it actually is coming, moving to Australia. Um, years ago, everyone used, they used a lot of trotters, ex-race horses, mm-hmm. ex-trotters, yep. people still do. But, you know, because of the standard, you know, it's getting better and better, people now are using more warm blood type horses, mm-hmm. especially for competition. And, you know, Dutch harness horses slash gelder type horses yep. are moving into the, into the driving scene. And, you know, Welsh cobs, Welsh ponies, um, those type of um, horses are really good. Um, the trotters, you know, are very reliable and they can be cheap, but, you know, they really don't suit competition because, you know, they get a bit excited. They, they want to pace, but, you know, then you find the odd trotter that won't pace, and that mm-hmm. can be a very, very good horse too. So you know, if you have to pick and choose if you need to use a, a pacer, a trotter, yep. um, fairly carefully, but if they do pace in the dressage, well, you know, your score would be fairly bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, certainly they, because of the standard, right, getting better and better, well, you know, you, you, people are starting to use better type of horses, you know. Yep, yep. Crossbreds are good, you know, like a, a thoroughbred Clydesdale type crosses are really good type mm-hmm. of horses for carriage driving. And um, cob cross, hackney cob cross are really, really good. Mm-hmm. So it just depends. But, you know, I've certainly seen a, the standard rise in, in the type of horses being used these okay. days. good. Good. Now, another thing, something you said earlier about working with people with disabilities, is that within Harness that you're doing that? I have done that with Harness, yep. yes, yep. Um, but I also did it in a, um, a work environment in open employment and getting people with a coordinator for about three years Okay. in, a, in, okay. A, in an open um, disability employment agency. And mm. um, I had a, um, a caseload of about 20 disabled people and... Um, you know, it's um, something that I've always been um, interested in, in, in helping people. I, I did train a lady before 2014, before the World Equestrian Games, um, that where she um, she was going to compete, but she had a car accident about uh, a oh, couple that's of weeks a shame. before. That's and, a shame. Um, yeah, so okay, here in Australia, so it all, it all fell in the hole. But I trained her, and uh, she was very good. She was okay. really, really quite okay. good. And it's a shame, shame that happened. But, but um, you know, the odd, um, you know, disabled person to come here from time to time, yes. Good, good. Now, have you got a book that you can recommend for our listeners? A book. Oh, look, there's so many books out there. There's so many books. Just, just depends. Um, you know, probably I think the best thing would be to go online these days and just, you know, Google search um, carriage driving. And there's, there's lots of different books available. There's also DVDs available. But you know, there's, there's series of, of heaps and heaps of information out there if you, if you really wanted to search it. Okay. Okay. We'll do. All right. Now, Max, what? What are you looking forward to? What does your future hold? Um, I'm just going to continue on with carriage driving and breeding here. 
with my horses. Um, I breed English hackneys. I have done for a long, long time. I've got three stallions here. And, um, you know, they're endangered these days. There's not many left in Australia, but in, in the world, there's not many of them left. So I'll continue doing that, and I'll continue with my carriage driving competition work and coaching. I'm not going to change really much, really, really what I've done in the last, you know, 10 years, I suppose. And next year, travel over to the US to the World Equestrian Games. I'd like to go to that, maybe okay. do a bit of a tour around Europe, um, and then maybe go back to Korea, um, coaching. Probably mm-hmm. next sometime I've been over there twice in the last year, coaching over there. Okay. And that's probably my plan for the future. All right. So when you go to Korea, they are like we were, you know, Australia was a while ago. Are they different again? Tell us a bit about just comparing, you know, and also too, because you've been to the UK, the USA, just tell us about um, mm. the differences yeah. and, and where the different stages are. Yeah, I think there's a huge difference because, you know, the South Korea, you know, had that war 50-odd years ago. Mm. So, you know, they, they got really quite blind with horses and really never focused on, on any horse disciplines. But, you know, in the last probably... I don't, I don't know, probably, I think it's probably even less than 10 years, um, ridden dressage has become fairly, very popular, show jumping very popular mm-hmm. over there. And now carriage driving has become coming popular, something that they never ever did. And they've never really run a competition in South Korea. I, I think in the next year they probably will run a competition. Okay. And the other thing is that, you know, the terrain in South Korea is, you know, very hard to find level ground. It's all very mountainous. Um, not, not mountains, but very, you know, just low mountains that are nearly continually right way through. But they're really keen to learn. I was over there in September this year and I had 40 students, 10 professors, 10 teachers, 10 farmers, and 10 students, school students. Okay. Basically, what I did, um, I taught some of the Koreans to coach um, carriage driving. I had four Koreans, I taught coach over there, which made it fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Easy to get them going, but I've, there's a South Korean here now that he competed for the first time yesterday on the weekend at the oh, Championships. Yep, he competed with one of my horses and he got a second overall in the level four, mm. which he was very chuffed with. Um, but um, so I would say, I think he may be the first Asian that's ever done competition carriage driving, and I don't know of any others. Yep. I think even in the world, I've never seen I've never seen any Asian drive. Uh-huh. He's probably the first, I think. So yeah. we're very happy over the weekend. Oh, that's that's good news, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. All right. Now, if you can just sum up your philosophy into a lesson, you know, sum up what we've talked about, just so that people have got something to go away with after they've listened to the interview today. Yes, just in in a, in a lesson. Uh, you know, the, the as I probably said earlier, the biggest thing in carriage driving is safety. Yeah. In knowing in knowing how to correctly harness up the harness, putting a carriage to, being able to get into the into the carriage um, safely, and then just driving safely with you know, knowing what contact to use, what mm-hmm. other contact to use is very important, and being able to understand the horse and being you know kind of the horse. The horse will do anything for you if you treat it nicely, and, and especially you know using the right contact with its mouth and the right bit that's not over bitted and is very important. And then you know reversing all that and getting out of the carriage and unharnessing correctly is a really big thing too in the right sequence. Mm-hmm. If there is a sequence, if you don't do it correctly, 
get into trouble. You know, like yep. some people I've seen that take the reins off, the reins off the, the horse whilst in the carriage, you know, or take the winkers off the horse Yes, is a no-no. So, you know, and I see it happen all the time. I see it happening all the time. You know, yeah, people, yeah. you know, you mustn't do that. You have to use the right sequence. Yes. So that's really important. My message is, you know, if anyone wanted to get into it, you know, spend a little bit of money and get someone to give you a star coach, someone to show you how to do it. I see on Facebook all the time people putting, you know, do it do it this way, you know, and the harness is all not correct and they've got their little <laughs> kids sitting in the carriage while they're taking a photo and, you know, it's something that you really can't mess with with carriage driving because, a, you know, a pony or a horse out of control with a carriage on is not a nice sight. Yep, um, yep. Especially when they hit hit something, hit a car or hit some person or run into a fence and, you know, you've got a damaged horse and you might have someone really badly fit. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to make sure that you know what you're doing and then you've at least had some instruction. Yes, yes. Contacting you. Can you just go over how, to, how people can contact you? Well, yes, I'm on Facebook. My I've got a very public um, Facebook page. You know, it's under Max Pierce. Um, yep. I'm also um, I'm in the I'm even in the phone book. I don't know who wants to ring my home number. Um, yep. So I'm very easily contacted, and um, and I've also got a website, Bowd Stud, B E A U W O D Stud. People can have a look at some of my horses and make contact through that as well if they want to. Uh, we'll also put those contact details on horsechats.com slash Max Pierce. Yep. Yes, yes, yep. That'd be wonderful. Okay, then. All right, thanks, Max. I'll talk to you another time. Thanks, okay. Glennis. Bye. Thank you very, very much. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 